0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it.
1: Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life.
0: We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hello friends, pro-life leader Frank Pavone here. You know, uh, we've had some special programming certain evenings uh, because President Trump, of course, has been making a lot of rally speeches and we always want you to see those. But we had prepared a Praying for America program to be aired Monday, January 22nd, which was the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And I said a lot of important things about the abortion issue that I still want to share with you. So I want to bring you that program that was prepared for the 22nd, but which I'm going to show you tonight and invite you to follow uh, the very important points I make here because they all pertain to making and keeping America great. So thank you for your commitment to life and to America. My dear friends, welcome. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and you are watching Praying for America. We're so glad that you're with us. And uh, today's a very special day, you know, when we talk about making America great again. Uh, As you know, my full-time work, and many of you are involved in this movement, uh, is to restore protection, restore legal protection to children in their earliest year in their earliest days, uh, the, the first nine months of life uh, in the womb where we were all once were, where we grew and, and uh, developed uh, and, uh, as our most vulnerable stage of life. And these children are the least protected children of all. So we try to restore protection. Why is today a special day? This is January 22nd. This is the anniversary of the decision of the u.s supreme court which has now been reversed uh, fortunately roe versus wade that literally permitted abortion through our pregnancy and i want to talk a little bit about this issue many are afraid of this issue in the political realm today and i'm here to tell you we don't have any need to be afraid of it we've got to be concerned that we address it properly and that's based of course on understanding it properly But we don't need to retreat from it, run away from it, be ashamed of it. Uh, And and I want to let these uh, discussions that we have uh, on these episodes bring you more and more confidence in both understanding and articulating this issue. So stick with me. Uh, We're going to go into the scriptures, very powerful uh, verse of scripture. Uh, And you know, in the last few days... There have been many, many, I'm sure you've seen it on the news, many, many uh, marches, demonstrations, rallies on this issue. And it's an issue that doesn't go away. There are reasons why it doesn't go away, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But let's go into the Word of God, as we always do, and uh, discuss this, uh, this key aspect, not only of being an American, but of being a Christian. And that is our respect for the dignity of life. Psalm 139, beginning uh, in verse 7, it reads, Where shall I go, O Lord, from your Spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the netherworld, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn and dwell at the sea's farthest end, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as clear as the day. For you formed my inmost parts. Knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand, I awake, and I am still with you. Let us pray. Lord God, we belong to you. Every human life, every human child, belongs to you. To you, Lord God, is the dominion. To you, Lord God, and in your hands is the very process by which we come to be. You are Lord at every moment of our development, at every instance of our existence. In fact, you are our Lord and God before we exist, because there was never a time that you did not think of us know us, and intend for us to live. Never have you been God when you did not want us to be who we are. Your plan for us, your desire for our life, is eternal, O God, as are you. Lord, we ask you to help us wrestle with a difficult issue. Help us as Americans face this issue of abortion. Help us to understand why it is an intractable issue and what steps we must take to move forward as a nation, lest it completely tear us apart. Bless us, Lord, with wisdom, bless us with courage, and bless us with compassion, for all are needed in dealing with this topic. May your word enlighten us, may your law govern us, may your spirit inspire us. We pray through Christ our Lord, Amen. You know, I, I get emotional when I uh, read this Psalm, uh, not only because it deals with the issue that I have devoted myself to full time, but because I remember one experience in my life when uh, this Psalm just burst into my into my awareness and, and was so appropriate. I was I was uh, a very young man, made my was making my first overseas trip to, to Europe. And, you know, it was a night flight. You know, you get on the plane in the evening and, uh, you know, hopefully you're able to sleep on the way across the ocean. And I was able to sleep, but I started to wake up when we were almost at our destination. And uh, as I say, I'd never been over there before. I, and I was out, I had a window seat. So I looked over my shoulder out the window and I see the uh, the daylight just starting to to break. And... The um, psalm came to me, specifically the verse saying, "If I take the wings of the dawn," and there I was looking out the window, looking at, at dawn and looking at the wing of the plane, and and this verse came to my mind: "If I take the wings of the dawn and dwell at the sea's furthest end." There I was on the opposite end of the ocean. Even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand hold me fast. Now this psalm, yes, is about the unborn child, but it's about the unborn child for a reason. And this is often not uh, spoken about when this psalm is is invoked in, in regard to human life. The reason the psalmist is talking about the unborn is that he is first talking about the fact That God always has us in his hand. And that we can't go anywhere in the universe and be away from God. Can't go anywhere. And so as if to say, let's imagine, you know, the most extreme circumstance of where we might think we could hide from God. The psalmist then thinks about the womb. Where he knows we all once were, but where in the absence of the kind of modern technology we have today to be able to see the unborn child, people were basically invisible. So if I cannot go anywhere from your presence, Lord, and that shouldn't be a scary thought, that should be a comforting thought, that God has his hand on us all the time, that we're, all, we're always in his presence. Even if I think about my time in the womb that I don't remember, but I know I was there, And then nobody saw me. Nobody saw me. But you did. That's the point the psalmist is making. Nobody knew me. In fact, for a while, I was in there and not even my mother knew it. Right? We can all say that. But God knew. Nobody saw me, but God not only saw me, he was making the different parts of my body. And you know those body parts appear much faster than anybody thinks. 21 days. 21 days after the new human life begins, at fertilization, the heart is 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 beating already. Seven, eight weeks, you've got all your organ systems in place, and like four thousand different body parts that you already that you still have now as a as an adult. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? from your face, nowhere, even in those secret places of the womb, you, O God, were there. Now, God is never just there. God is always there for us. So God is on our side when he's with us there in the womb. In fact, we're his handiwork. He's this master artist. And, you know, we know more about God's handiwork in the womb today than we ever knew before with all the different genetic characteristics that you and I have, color of our eyes, for example, determined at that single cell stage. So, oh, when did our eyes become blue? When did our eyes become brown? They didn't become that way. It was decided already when you were just one cell in size. All the information is there, programmed in a way that not even the the psalmist understood. This is amazing. We know more about how true this psalm is today because of science than we ever knew before when it uses the phrase intricately woven, fearfully and wonderfully made. You knitted me together. He knitted us together by all those gene sequences encoded in every cell of our body at that point we started off as just one cell but it was all there all the information about every genetically determined characteristic that we have you know how today there's that the uh, 23 and me or these different genetic things or you could you can trace your ancestry right how does that happen but they, they look at the information that's in, in, one of your, in, in one of your cells. Well, when was that information written in your cells? When you were how old? It's a scientific question, right? When was that information written on... What, how do these companies get that information? When is that information written in your body? It was written in your body at the time that your body was one single cell inside your mother. Boy, do the words of this psalm... The words of this psalm should be on the brochures and the commercials for all these uh, these genetic identity companies, shouldn't they? The Ancestry and uh, all these different... I've never had that done, by the way. I don't know if you have. Tell us about it if you want in the comments. But that's this psalm. It's a modern-day commentary on this psalm. Okay, so today's a, today's a day that... You know, many of us look at today like, like, like we look at uh, December 7th, September 11th. You know, people always have to be careful about, you know, and they are sensitive about comparisons and whatnot. But thanks to what happened today in 1973, 65 million lives were snuffed out. 65 million lives were snuffed out because of the comparison. Supreme Court decision. I'm not saying 65 million lives were prevented. That's not what I said. 65 million lives had already begun in this intricately woven, marvelous uh, way and then ended violently. Ended violently at various points in the womb. Ended violently, for the most part, after the heart had already been beating. For the most part, after the arms and legs had already developed. For the most part, after most of the organ systems that we have right now had already developed too. Violently in the sense of actually being torn apart. And we showed you this before. I'm going to ask our technician here. We don't have to show it right at this minute. But to get those pictures again uh, of the, um, the unborn baby. Uh, we're going to show you the baby at seven weeks and eight weeks. We've shown you these these pictures before, and also we have a diagram of how abortion dismembers uh, the baby. And um, my goodness, I mean, look look at this. Look at this child. This is this is this is at the point where when laws are introduced to uh, to protect these babies, just like this one you're seeing now. Some of our fellow Americans say "But that's too extreme. Uh, Wait a second. Since when is it extreme to protect a child? No, but I mean, aside from opinions, look at the reality of what we're talking about. The only reason some feel like it's extreme to protect a child is that we have sunk into a conviction in our society in too many places that either the child isn't really there, isn't really a child, isn't really so developed, or that somehow it's okay to kill certain human beings. When we talk about kill, is that the proper word to use for an abortion? Take a look at this diagram. This is a medical diagram of an abortion, there's many different, well I shouldn't say many, there's several different types of abortion procedures. Here's one of them. Legal activity in many states. And what do you see happening there? You see what is happening is described by a word that is actually used in the medical textbooks on how to do abortion. Medical textbooks. We're not talking about pro-life articles, we're not talking about church sermons. We're talking about medical textbooks about abortion. Use the word dismember. Because that's exactly what's being done. It's just an objective description. Dismember means you take one of the members of the body, like an arm, and you dislocate it from the rest of the body. You pull it off. Friends, that's exactly what an abortion is doing. Okay, so it's a sad day for many of us. It's the anniversary of that Supreme Court decision in 1973, so it's 51 years. Now, that decision was very extreme. I have the, the first page of it here. Uh, I just want to read for you a, a sentence. Uh, now, the decision has been, been overturned, but for, for almost 50 years, this was what was in effect. <sighs> it's, it's unbelievable. For the stage subsequent to viability, the state, in promoting its interest in the potentiality of human life, may, if it chooses, keep those four words in mind, may, if it chooses, regulate and even proscribe, that is, prohibit abortion, except when necessary for the preservation of the life or health of the mother. May, if it chooses. They're talking about after viability. They're talking about a baby at, uh, well, at that time it was 28 weeks. Now viability is significantly earlier, even like 22 weeks, 23. But the point is, may if it chooses. In other words, you don't even have to protect the babies that can survive outside the womb? You don't even have to protect the babies that can survive outside the womb? How many Americans are in favor of abortion in in the 6th? seventh, I mean, what mom is showing now, the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth month of pregnancy. Now, it's not a question of, oh, oh, oh nobody would want that. Nobody. But then what's the law? The question here is about policy. It's like saying hey, nobody would, uh, would want to shoot you in your own home. But would you object to a law that allowed it? You might believe nobody would want to do it. But would you object to a law that allowed it? Of course you would. It's not right to even permit something like that. And yet that's what Roe v. Wade did. Permitted abortion throughout pregnancy. Now what the court has said is that if you and I, through our elected representatives, want to protect these children, even before viability, There's no constitutional obstacle to that. There's no constitutional reason why we can't protect like that baby I showed you at seven weeks. All right. Friends, don't run away from this issue. Don't be afraid of this issue. And I say that because many of us, including myself, many of us who are eager, absolutely committed to winning elections— and who are politically savvy, and we know that we've got to appeal to the voters. Many of those who are are in this movement with us, this MAGA movement, this America First movement, this movement to save our nation. And we know we have to win these elections. Uh, some are afraid of this issue, and they think, wait a, wait a minute, we don't want this issue to drag us down because the Democrats seem to think that they can win with this uh, issue. You know, the Democrats lie about a lot of things. They can gain voters by lying about a lot of things. And they only gain voters on abortion when they lie about what it is. And that's my point, if we're going to use this criterion on the abortion issue, because the only time the Democrats gain favor here is when they completely lie about what the issue is. Don't they do that on every issue? Come on, don't they do that about the border? Don't they do that about the economy? Don't they do that about crime? Don't they do that about international relations? Don't they do that about everything? Don't they do that about gender? Don't they do that about education, indoctrination of our children, uh, suppression of free speech, weaponization of government? Aren't they lying about everything? So what do we do? Say, oh, well, you know, those are, we're ceding those issues to them and we're not going to talk about it. Why? Because they're better at lying than we are. Is that what we're going to... I'm asking you to think this through. Is that what we're going to let these people do? And say, you know what, we're not going to fight you on that because you're better liars than we are. You're better at deceiving the American public and being that you're deceiving them on this issue, we're going to cede that issue to you and you know, we'll try (laughs) to hush-hush and not talk about it. Or do we counteract their lies? Listen, this shouldn't be a hard issue for us to win on. And actually, in reality, it's not. If we talk about it the right way, President Trump always says that. We ought to talk about this in a smart and intelligent way. He's absolutely right. It, 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 it's going to hinge on how we talk about it. And here's my urging to everyone in the political arena. Candidates, consultants, advisors, party uh, influencers, delegates, uh, commentators, everybody. Here is my urging to you, in a situation where the Democrats do nothing but lie about abortion, we have got to stand up and we have got to insist that we have an honest debate on abortion in this country. Do you know why it seems to be such an intractable issue? Because for one reason, we're not even debating it. We're having a fake debate. We're having a pretend debate over abortion. What do I mean by that? Listen, I've been dealing with this issue full time since 1993. Full time. And I was involved in dealing with the issue before that, ever since I was a teenager. I was involved in pro, got in the pro-life movement in 1976. And in 1993, I entered into national leadership in the pro-life movement. And I've been focusing on this issue, no exaggeration, every day since 1993. Every day, this is my full-time focus. Now, what conclusion do I come to? This is a fake debate. Because when we say the word abortion, what we have in mind, and I say we, we, it includes just about all of you who are watching now. I know you are pro-life. You may not be involved deeply in the movement, uh, but, but that's not the point. The point is, yeah, you're with us on this. I know that. People may have some concerns, some reservations here and there, but we can, we can, we can, we can talk those through. But we who are pro-life, we understand when we say the word abortion, we're talking about the killing of a child. We're talking about the, the, the things in that kind of diagram that I showed you before. The arms, the, the bulldog, it's dismemberment. The medical textbooks call it that. Okay, that's the idea we have in our mind when we say abortion. And that's an accurate idea. When people in, the, like, these Democrat candidates, well, take Biden, for example. Oh, yeah, we've got to defend Roe, you know, blah, 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 blah. women's right to reproductive choice. Yeah, but how about you talk about abortion? See, they don't want to talk. Here's my point. They don't want to talk about abortion. Oh, they want, to, they want to win on abortion. They want to bring abortion front and center. They want to make it an issue. They want to be cheerleaders for abortion, but then they won't talk about abortion. Doesn't that show that they're wrong? Doesn't that show they're on the losing side? They're ashamed of everything that they're promoting. And so our challenge to them is, wait a second. You're going to bring abortion front and center? That's fine with us. We always try to bring abortion front and center. I've been doing that for decades, and, and 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 we believe it's the most important moral issue. It's life or death, right? If, if a politician can't respect the life of a little baby, how's he supposed to respect yours? They can't respect the life of a little baby. How are they supposed to respect yours and mine? We need public officials who can public servants who can tell the difference between serving the public and killing the public, otherwise they shouldn't be in public office. So the problem is. Yeah, we can win on abortion. We're going to bring abortion front and center. Yeah, right. You just try. You deluded, deceptive, and destructive Democrats. Be my guest. Bring abortion front and center. But you lying, selfish, deceptive, America-hating, God-hating people, describe what you defend. That's what these cowards won't do. Pick up a medical textbook on abortion. Read out loud how it talks about dismembering and decapitating the fetus. You want to call that baby a fetus? It's just a a term of, of a phase of development is all it is. Like you might call a child an adolescent doesn't mean it's not a child. Sure, use the term. But also use the other terms that the medical textbook uses. Dismember and decapitate. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is a winning issue for us. Because these cowards on the other side, and you can prove it in an instant just by asking them. And ask them in front of others because it's a win-win. In other words, what I'm saying is you challenge them. Describe what you defend. Describe what you defend. And then they're not going to want to describe it. So you describe it for them. You describe it for them. You say, look, in this medical side, we have all this on our website, by the way, at priestforlife.org is this what you mean? This is one of our projects. And in fact, you can find it even more easily. Just look at abortion.org. Okay, look at abortion.org. You'll see all of this. We have the quotations there about about how this procedure is done. And so here, here's here's how you challenge somebody on the other side, political candidate, maybe you're maybe you're a candidate yourself, you're in a debate, from someone from the other side on this issue, or you're arguing with someone on social media or writing a letter to the editor, or you're on a call in radio show, here's what you do. You get the quotes. So one of those quotes is, a long curved mayo scissors may be necessary to dismember and decapitate the fetus. Okay. So you read a, a sentence like that. Again, it's not on your own authority and it's not from a pro-life source. It's from a medical textbook on abortion. Dismember and decapitate the fetus and then you say to the person who's supporting abortion say look when you say the word We're not even talking about whether it should be allowed or not legal or limited or banned We're not even talking about that. We're just asking. What does it mean? More specifically, what do you mean? When you say the word abortion Is this what you mean now look at that how that's a win-win situation It's not the candidate that we're trying to persuade it's the voter the audience, the target audience, is your fellow citizen, your fellow voter who's going to vote yay or nay on that particular person who's standing up and saying, yay, yeah, cheerleading abortion, yay, yeah, yay, yeah, yay, yeah, ray. Right. You coward. You don't even want to describe what you defend. You dishonest, destructive, human life-hating person. You don't even want to describe what you defend, you loser. Describe it. There we want to bring abortion front and center. No, you don't. Oh, no, oh, no you don't. Cowards that you are. Dismember and decapitate. That's what, that's what you want to sell to the American people. It's freedom, right? Challenge them, brothers and sisters. Look at abortion.org. Challenge them to look at the pic- Challenge them to show the pictures. Why did they listen? This is so. This is so self-evident. If you put into a word processing program every speech that Biden ever made on abortion, Pelosi, or any of these these Democrats that are all for abortion, go to the states. All these these the the pro-abortion governors, the pro-abortion legislators. Okay, Hokel up in uh, Michi- uh, up in um, New York and uh, Whitmer up in, in Michigan and these uh, Hobbs down in uh, 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 down in Arizona and all these pro-abortion governors and they give these speeches and they're at these rallies yay 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 for women's right to choose and reproductive yeah, okay fine put all their speeches together and then do a word search for the word dismember and tell me if it comes up it's never going to come up. Do a word search for the word decapitate. As a matter of fact, you know what words you also won't find? Flesh, blood, bones, skull, arms, legs. But you know where you will find those words? In the medical textbooks. On how to do abortions. So I go back to my premise. We're having a fake debate here on abortion. Because when we say the word on our side of the equation, we're talking about those things. When they say the word, they're talking about everything but abortion. And what's in their mind is reproductive freedom, choice, women's health, and constitutional rights. Hey, those are powerful concepts, very rightly popular among the American people. And when I say reproductive choice, I'm, compar- I'm comparing United States to China we don't want to be China where they actually put a limit on how many children a family can have. You know, you, you might not want to have more than one child or two children, but, you know, you don't look at a family of four or five children and say, oh, you shouldn't be able legally to do that, but China does. You want to be like that? No, we believe in reproductive freedom, properly understood. We just don't believe in killing children. So don't let the other side talk about what the debate isn't really about. Freedom of choice, of course we're in favor of freedom and of choice. But even the Roe v. Wade decision makes a distinction about what kind of freedom we're talking about. Listen to this for a moment. This is from Roe v. Wade. The pregnant woman cannot be isolated in her privacy. She carries an embryo and later a fetus. The situation is inherently different from marital intimacy or bedroom possession of obscene material or marriage or procreation or education, and then it quotes a whole bunch of Supreme Court cases that granted the right to privacy in all of those arenas. It is reasonable and appropriate, Roe said, for a state to decide that at some point in time another interest, that of the health of the mother or that particular, of potential human life becomes significantly involved. The woman's privacy is no longer sole, and any right of privacy she she possesses must be measured accordingly. So it's not absolute. Even Roe v. Wade said the right to to abortion is not absolute. Now the Supreme Court says there is no right to abortion to begin with. But you see the point. It can't just be arguing about freedom. Biden talks about abortion as if the child doesn't even exist. They don't even acknowledge the child. Uh, Friends, can we stop pretending to having a debate about abortion? Now, some people, when they uh, think about this, they'll say, well, yeah, Father Frank, I agree with you. It's wrong. But, you know, sometimes the uh, mother's health requires it. I'm going to make a statement to you right now, brothers and sisters, not because I'm a medical doctor, but because I, I, I know countless medical doctors. I interact with them every day who are experts in maternal fetal medicine, and who, to a man, to a woman, make the absolutely clear and definitive declaration. You never have to kill the child to save the mother. Let me say that again. You never have to kill the child to save the mother. You may have to deliver a pregnancy earlier than it might have naturally concluded with the birth of the child. Sure. But you can do that in such a way that you save both mother and child. Sure there are complications of pregnancy. Yeah, we know. But don't fall into this idea that sometimes abortion is necessary to save the life of the mother. It's never necessary. Ending a pregnancy early may be necessary. But you can bring that pregnancy along to the point that that baby has a pretty good chance of survival, especially nowadays. I, and then the other side of the coin is, please don't let anybody make you think that abortion is some kind of magic wand without any consequences. You wave it, oh, poof, the pregnancy's gone, problem solved. No, problem began. What do I mean? It's just a bibliography. These are not even the studies, these are just lists of the studies of the detrimental impact of abortion. In fact, that's the name of the book, Detrimental Effects of Abortion. You think this is a... a a figment of our imagination. This is just a list of studies. And this book is already already old. These are studies that were done some time back. Later, later on, this thicker book called Complications, Abortion's Impact on Women. This is not opinion. These are studies about the physical and emotional impact, negative, devastating impact of abortion. Don't, don't let anybody tell you, oh, abortion is safer than childbirth. It is not. Hemorrhage, infection, sterility, increased risk of breast cancer, increased risk of preterm delivery. There's just some of the dozens of complications, and those are just the physical ones, and many more. Read the books. Forbidden Grief, Psychological Implications of Abortion. Dr. Teresa Berg, Deeply Damaged. An Explanation for the Profound Problems Arising from Aborting Babies. Dr. Philip Nay, Psychiatrist. And then these books, Lime 5 and a book called Unsafe, The Amer- America's Abortion Industry Endangers Women, documented studies of the harm inflicted on women in these abortion clinics. Friends, this is no joke. And I'm presenting this to you just in a brief summary here to say this. Please, don't let the other side keep lying to you. They lie so much that they get most of the American public into this mental habit of just saying, oh, yeah, abortion, oh, well, you know, um, we don't want to ban it too much because sometimes people might need it to solve a problem. You have to solve what problem? Again, just a magic wand. Poof, problem solved. What in life is ever like that? I mean, you take your medication, you're at side effects. You think abortion doesn't have any side effects? You think it doesn't cause any damage of its own? Any problems of its own? These books say otherwise. All right, not to get, we're out of time. Listen, friends, we're together on this. We just need to get more educated on it, and please don't be afraid of it. This is an issue. That is going to be front and center in this election. But challenge the other side. And one of the ways we challenge them, too, is through our Silent No More campaign just over recent days. At the big march in Washington, at the big walk in San Francisco, both of which I helped to lead various events, we had men and women of Silent No More standing up and giving their testimonies, talking about the devastation abortion brings. Check it out at AbortionTestimonies.com, abortion testimonies. Dot com. Listen, it's part of making America great again. That we make America a nation that protects children, protecting children, protecting life. Not extreme. It's humane. And it's right. Let's pray. Father, we come before you aware that uh, that you are the one who decides if and when a human life will come into existence. And you are the one, and you alone, who decides when a human life will end. Lord God, our nation is based on dependence upon you, on recognition of your your law and your providence. Protect us, bless us, and protect the babies that are right now, Lord God, in the earliest and most dependent stages of their existence. Protect them and give us the wisdom on how to advocate for them in a way that doesn't make our fellow citizens feel like we're not compassionate or that we're trying to take away their rights. It's no such thing. And Lord, increase the ability of the pro-life movement to minister to these moms and dads and families in need and through the thousands of pregnancy centers in our country that outnumber the abortion facilities by almost four to one. We praise you, Lord, that people are stepping up, that people are, with compassion, helping people to say yes to life. Lord, we want to help them all. We ask your grace upon them all right now, and we ask your saving grace, finally, on those who've had abortions. Give them your forgiveness. Give them the gift of repentance. Give them your peace. Give them your healing. And now we pray. We sum up all these prayers. And we pray for one another in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening tonight. This is my life's work. This is my passion. Learn more at our website endabortion.us, endabortion.us, and learn more on our daily broadcasts at endabortion.tv. I know you're watching on many different platforms right now, and we're so grateful to our friends at Right Side Broadcasting and Rumble and so many places that carry our program. Um, But our broadcast website and links to many of these other sites is endabortion.tv. And you'll get a whole lot more daily programming on this topic. And you can learn so much more. And you can save lives. Friends, my final thought here tonight there are some abortions only you can stop, some lives only you can save. Never be afraid. Address this issue or to learn more about it. We'll help you. God bless you. Pro Life leader Frank Pavone here. We'll talk to you
1: tomorrow. Hello. I'm Dr. Alvita King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations we have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site prolifegift.org you can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor or you can call us at 321-500-1000
0: priests for life saving lives for over 30 years